Welcome to the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. First-hand and real-time experience, stories, advice, and lessons learned, some the hard way, by me, a former player, lifelong fan, and now dad and coach. This is episode number three. My oldest son turns 18 today. Here's what I would have done differently. What's up, everybody? I'm Kevin Burke, and this is the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. As you heard in the intro, Today is our older son's 18th birthday. So first off, I'm definitely feeling old. Um, that, get that out of the way. Uh, the second thing, though, is most of us coming through, especially the first time or with two younger children, we don't have the luxury um, of being able to look back and say, hey, here's how I did it the first time. Can I do it differently the second time or learning those lessons? So for us, having an 18-year-old and just a barely a 9-year-old, I've got the advantage, if that's the right word, at least for the younger son, to say, hey, how did I do it all the, these last few years, and, and what can I do differently for him? It, it's also not just what I did personally, but now I've got 13, 14 years of watching other coaches and seeing the results of what they've done too. So it's really a a really large sample size that I get to look at today. So today I want to tell you that if I had it to do all over again with my older son, this is what I would have done. These are the things that I would have focused on. So I want to try to be fairly quick. I sent out a newsletter this morning. If you're not on the newsletter, please uh, go to www.getelbowup.com. That's G-E-T, elbowup.com. Just put in your email address. It's free. Send that out at least once a week, maybe twice. Also, um, we'll notify you of new podcast episodes. Um, You can get those on Apple uh, iTunes podcast. You can also go get those on Spotify as well as Google podcast. So whichever, uh, one of those players you like to listen to, certainly please go subscribe, um, leave a comment, rate all that good stuff. So, uh, what I would do differently if I had it to do all over again, you know, I want to say, first off, I don't think that necessarily we did a terrible job raising our son, um, as it pertains to baseball. So, um, I just want to make that clear. It's not like I have all these regrets and and it's just poor, poor, pitiful me. I think, though, that there were definitely opportunities to do things differently that I could have helped, you know, set him up better for long-term success while he enjoyed it a little bit more along the way. So I think if you were to ask him right now, what did he think of of his youth sports experience, it would be overwhelmingly positive. He had fun. Uh, not only playing the game, but he also had fun hanging out with his friends, going out to eat after, et cetera. And really, that's where most of his friends have come from and still come from today as, an, as now a high school athlete. Um, so I don't look at this as a regret, but I think the whole purpose of this elbow up project, if that's what I can call it, is to really just help educate using my own experiences, not only as a player, um, having that front row seat to my brother, being a first round draft pick and um, you know, his professional career. And then also, um, being able to do this as, you know, I, I coached four year old T-ball with our older son, um, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way up through maybe 15, 14, uh, and then kind of turned him over to somebody else. And then obviously in high school, um, actually was on their coaching staff one year, but, um, I, I've got a, a, a large sample here to look at. And so I don't necessarily regret everything. That's not the point. 
However, I will say that if anything, it's just given me a different perspective. And now that his playing career um, is potentially almost over, um, there are some things I would do differently. I also would say, just as a quick warning, if that's the right word, I would say 10 out of 10 high school, college, and pro coaches would agree with these things I'm about to say. So if you want to ignore them, that's totally fine. That's your prerogative. You raise your child and coach your team how you want. But I would say you'll you know, proceed cautiously knowing that um, from someone who has kind of gone before you, <laughs> and I've seen a lot of baseball at a lot of different levels, and these are things that um, I, I just don't think you can argue with. However, it's super duper hard in the moment to do this. I, we played in a tournament this weekend. We're in the fall season for our nine U um, age, and um, actually, this nine U group here locally in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area is actually pretty good from a coaching perspective. But you can still hear the parents and some of the coaches and some of the expectations they have, the way they react. Um, I, 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 I have these flashbacks, and so. I was thinking about what's the next newsletter and podcast. And while I have a list of probably 25 topics um, with our older son turning 18 today, I think it was uh, perfect timing. So without further ado, these are in no particular order things that I would have done differently looking back on it. All right. Number one, I would have put much more of an emphasis on development than winning. So, I will say that I want to win every time I step on the field. I want my team, my kids to want to win every time they step on the field. I want my kids to want to win in life. However, it's got to, you got to put it in perspective. So when you are, are paid professionally, then you're paid to win. When you're playing and coaching as a four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year old, and even a few years after that, you're focused on developing a player, you're developing uh, work ethic, you're developing a young man. Um, I spent a lot of time looking at the scoreboard as a coach. And I, I, most of what I have to say comes across as, I would say, a coach, um, kind of a, a, a parent coach, because I, I feel like I think I've always, until he got to about 15, been a coach on his team, either the head coach or an assistant. But we spent a lot of time looking at the scoreboard, and that's okay um, in certain situations. But I, I vividly remember rec ball, 5-6. You know, we always had a great team, 7-8. And you had the draft, and, and you picked your players. And we won a lot of games. And, and we won trophies, and we had fun, and the team loved it. But when I think about the long-term development of all 10 or 11 of those players, there were definitely opportunities that I could have moved people around I could have sacrificed a win for maybe more development with more kids. Um, even today, you know, we played a, a tournament this week in my nine, with my nine-year-old team, and it was a one-day tournament, and we went 3-0. and But because we gave up too many runs in the first game, we made like the second bracket or whatever. The hard part for me is, man, we, we won, but we're not going to make the, the top bracket. And I think that game was 10 to four. We won 10 to four. We gave up one too many runs. And then we went on to win the second game and we won the third game. Um, and so the kids got a ring. They won the quote championship. And in my mind, I'm playing through like how 
the little things cost us, right? We, we won the big things. We, we were the more physical team. We hit better. We pitched better. We had some base running mistakes. We had maybe one error in the field, um, missed a few signs maybe. I, I don't remember exactly all the details. There were some little things that added up, though, and I, I'm, I'm, I said to one of our parents who actually is a former college coach and now an athletic director, I said, how do, I, how do we teach a lesson here when we won, right? And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. And he, he said, don't, don't worry about the scoreboard. He said, I, I never looked at the scoreboard as a coach. It was always about development and what can you do better. And so I think you have to have that mindset, whether you win, whether you lose. And at the end of the day, does it really matter? Nobody today remembers which bracket we were in. And certainly in two years, four years, 10 years, 20 years, nobody cares. So th- the thing is, there was a lot of emphasis placed on winning as opposed to developing, developing other pitchers, developing other position players, and developing these kids into longer-term, better baseball players. Okay, number two, I would have reacted much differently to errors in poor performance. Uh, this just goes without saying. I was, I was a young, tw- you know, 20-something-year-old coach and dad, and um, we had a really good team, and physically they were just better than everybody, and they would make a mistake, and, and it, it just flew all over us. It wasn't necessarily ugly or anything, but I can just remember getting worked up. You know, we would maybe we lost a game because we made an error, and that kid was the best first baseman in, in the area, and he made an error. And I look back, and I'm thinking, okay, he was seven, or he was eight, or he was nine. Like, who cares? Um, no, nobody even really remembers that, uh, that we got the runner-up trophy as opposed to the championship trophy. The other thing, the the negative thing that you do there, though, is um, what you know. What do you do to that kid, right? He, so now he's scared. He's scared to make a mistake. He looks at you every time he might make a mistake. Um, it, it's it's just not important. You're going to make errors. They make errors in the big leagues. They make errors in college. Um, they strike out. Um, they forget signs like it's going to happen. So I think the lessons you can teach and how you get better and what you do with it is so much more important than the the um, outcome of, of the error. All right, number three, I would have paid closer attention to my own body language during games, especially when our team or my son was faced with adversity. You know, look, we're trying to build longer-term athletes, competitors, but also men. Um, and the, the, I've got, I wrote about this at some point, but the odds are stacked against every kid out there for ever playing in college or the big leagues. It's just it's not going to happen for like more than 90% of them. And so we have to we have to get them better at, at, at doing this thing called life. And I think um, adversity is one of the hardest things to deal with. Everybody, nobody has problem dealing with success. Um, when you face adversity as a high schooler, as a as a college student, as a as a employee, as a parent, um, that's when you know your true colors really come out. That's that's when the rubber meets the road. And so um, I think a lot of times. When we faced adversity, I missed an opportunity to teach a lesson or to stay positive or to um, influence my kids or, you know, the team that I coached or my own son using my own body language. I I see a lot of dads, coaches rolling their eyes, you know, uh, yelling out, uh, looking the other way when something happens. It's just there's no long-term gain in it. Uh, okay, so number four, I would have spent more time at home working with my son one-on-one. We spent a lot of time at home, actually. Um, but as you get older, until you get to high school where you're practicing every day, 
you're only going to practice once, twice a week. Some teams may practice three times. I don't know. It depends on the age and, and how competitive they are. There, look, listen, guys, your son is not going to really get better at practice once or twice a week. They're just not. They're going to learn, especially if they're with a good coach, they're going to learn team things. They're going to learn new phases and aspects of the game, but they don't have time to take 50 swings. They don't have time to take 50 ground balls. They don't have time to work on catching the ball. So you have to do those things at home. I promise you there is a direct correlation. The, the best players ever at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and mostly in the older ages, are the ones that just put in the, more work, the, the most work. Now, it doesn't mean that you take your son and you make him do a seven-day-a-week regimen. It just means that you should probably hit off the tee a few times a week. It means that you should get out and throw. One thing my dad did that I, I remember this really vividly, my brother and I would come home from school on a game day, and Dad, we were maybe 10 minutes from the ballpark, five minutes from the ballpark. Before we left, we would, we would get out and we would throw in the driveway. And, you know, I don't really know whatever got him started doing that, but it just got us kind of locked in. It got us loose. Um, it was, an, you know, honestly what it was is it was two or three times a week we got an additional 20, 30, 40 throws, basically. Uh, same thing hitting. You know, we would hit wiffle balls or hit off a tee. Um, so you, while I spent a lot of time with – you know, our older one at home, I, I, there were some things that um, I feel like we could have done better and could have done more of. And maybe at the time, stress got in the way, jobs got in the way, whatever. But um, you, you need to make the time. If you want your son to be that successful and they also want it, it's got to be them. Um, you got to put in the time. Number five, I never, I would have never missed an opportunity to teach a life lesson. I won't go into that too much here. But guys, I try to teach a lesson at every practicing game. It could be a small one. It can be a big one. It can be how to be a good teammate. It can be how to deal with adversity. It can be um, how to – yesterday we talked about we, we were beating a team like 20-something to one or zero, and we, we stopped stealing, of course, and, and running on – advancing on past balls and wild pitches. And so we had to have the conversation uh, about why. Because, you know, we've, we've talked about being aggressive and we've talked about taking advantage of the other team's mistakes. And so now all of a sudden I'm trying to tell an eight-, nine-year-old group of guys to dial it back – that was an opportunity to teach a life lesson. But I would have done that more um, the first time through. You know, we did it some, or maybe I did it in the car on the way home. You should, as a coach, you should do it every day. As a parent, you should also do it every day. All right, number six. <clears throat> this is a big one, and I particularly am guilty of this. And, and actually, the tendency is to still do it. And, and I really, I had a parent tell me the other day, another coach, that I've really backed off and, and doing better at this over the last maybe six months. I would have only told my son after his games that I enjoyed watching him play. Asked him if he had fun and tell him how much I enjoyed watching him play. Um, it's easy to say, hey, you had a great game, but that one ball you missed, here's what you did. Or, hey, you know, great swing, but you were a little out front. Or, man, if we could have just done this or that, or you missed that sign. Like, they know what they do. Um and they're not perfect. Nobody's going to be perfect. And I, I just – there's a lot of writing on this. And, and so I haven't actually done a lot on it um, on my, in my newsletter. But um, there's a, there's a um, website, changingthegameproject.com. It actually started out with soccer. But it talks a lot about this. And, and I've heard other you know, speakers talk about this. But your son just needs to know that you support them. 
whether they do really well or whether they don't. And if they don't do well, they're going to be more inclined to get better and want to come back the next time if it's not a negative experience. And so you can't make it negative on the way home. Don't even say anything about the game if that's what it takes other than, hey, did you have fun? And, and they're probably going to say yes. Uh, and then you tell them that you enjoyed watching them play. So that would have been the sixth thing that I would do differently. Okay, number seven, I would have done a better job planning practices. I would have planned practices for development of all players instead of just lining everyone up in, quote, their position and taking BP. Now, we didn't just do that every time, but there was a lot of that. It's, it's easy to do that when you only have an hour and a half and you want everybody to get swings and you don't have a cage. Um, we missed an opportunity, though. I, I mean, I missed an opportunity to move people around let that kid that mostly plays outfield take a bunch of ground balls in the infield. Let him learn how to cover second base. Let him learn how to receive a ball uh, at catcher. It doesn't mean they're always going to turn out to play that position, but I, I, I could probably write an entire uh, 10 pages on players who, when they were 6, 7, and 8, they were in the 10th or 11th or 12th kid on the team from, a, from kind of a ability standpoint or maybe physically and and they turned out to be incredible athletes they turned out to love the game they turned out to get better you know I played with people who in coach pitch just you know never made the all-star team and then now they're going to college and they're playing college or you know there's even stories you can see guys that started when they were 10 or 11 or 15 and they're playing in the big leagues You've got to develop the player and you've got to develop the team. And, and having a practice plan that, is, that keeps your kids active, there's no standing around, people move around, uh, that's critical. And I didn't really do that. I was always a good player. Um, I, never, I guess I never paid attention much uh, to how we ran practices. Um, looking back on it, I probably should have. But it's so easy in Little League to just line everybody up. Now, it, you know, it, it, your situation can sometimes dictate what you can do. Um, you, you only have so many coaches, right? You only have so much time, and you've got to try to get it all in, and maybe you just don't know any better. That's kind of what we're here for. So I've actually got some podcasts and some posts coming up talking about practice plans, you know, how to take notes in games and then turn that into a practice plan and um, where to go from help if you don't know what kind of drills to do. How do you keep people moving around so you don't have – you know, 12, eight-year-olds just standing around. By the time, listen, by the time an hour's over of standing in the same spot on the field watching other people hit, they don't even want to be there. So if they don't want to be there, how are they getting any better, right? So that's something that, that we would have done. Number eight, I only have three more. Bear with me. I would not have made cuts in nine and 10-year-old select, quote, select baseball. This is a big one that I'm going to do another entire episode on. Guys, it doesn't matter. If you're trying to get the most competitive team by cutting one or two players, you're doing it wrong. I, you will not change my mind on that. You won't. We did it. Um, it without going into the details, we did it, and I regret it. That, that is a regret I have to this day that we did that. We were no better off as a team. We lost – friendships even if it was temporarily it was awkward uh some of the new kids you know the families just didn't you know didn't jive uh it there is very 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 little upside there is a ton of risk and very little upside plus you're you're cutting kids who haven't even really started to develop physically and so I would not have made cuts at nine and ten year old if you disagree with that I would love to hear your comments hit the comment button 
uh, go to the, go to, uh, get elbowup.com, click on read or whatever it's called. I don't know what the link says. This is, this will be, this article will be at towards the top. Um, leave a comment, shoot me an email, um, reach out to me somehow. If you disagree, I would love to hear, uh, why you disagree, but I would never make cuts at nine and 10. Now, when you get older, obviously you do, there's, there's a totally different reason you're playing and you've got to be able to kind of separate some things, but I, I, it's just not worth it. Number nine, uh, is very similar in that I would not have hosted tryouts for my nine and 10 year old quote select team. Again, you're not going to change my mind on this. Um, I could probably go way out and stretch and come up with a reason that you do this. But again, there's very, very little upside. You should be focused on developing a group of kids. Unless you move into a new area and you're trying to coach a team because nobody else does and you just don't know anybody. Because, you know, you don't want to really try to have a, 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 quote, competitive team with somebody who can't catch, right? It doesn't mean they don't need to play baseball. It just means they need to be on a team that's going to help support their current skill set and their goals better. That's probably the only reason. Like, you you really shouldn't – if you coach an all-star team and you say, I'm going to go have trials, I'm going to pick the best – that you're, I'm telling you, you're setting yourself up for, for disaster. Again, no offense. We did it, so I am not calling out anybody. I did it. I would never do it again just telling you. Um, and again, that's one of those where contact me, leave a comment on this post, go to get Tell me why, tell me you want to talk to me, find me on Twitter, whatever you want to do. But this is not something that I recommend making cuts or hosting trials for nine and 10 year old select teams. All right. Number 10, I kind of hit on this, uh, but more specifically, I would have moved players around much more. And this is important sacrificing short-term team success with longer-term team and individual development. Guys, I'm not saying at 15 years old and you're playing the perfect game tournament in Atlanta and you move everybody around. That's We're past that point at that, at that stage. I'm talking about six- and seven-year-old all-stars, eight-year-olds, whatever, select, travel, uh, when you start pitching at nine. Um, all teams don't necessarily have the luxury, for example, if they got 11 kids on their team, to, to literally pitch all 11. But you should be working on it. You should be developing it. Um, you should be – I mean, listen, you, you may not – even if you, if you can't afford pitching lessons, there's YouTube videos. Like, there is so much information. That's one reason why I don't really do a how-to-pitch thing on here because there's so much information out there. Um, you got to develop these players, guys. The the ones – I've said this earlier and I say it again. And my son's one of the examples. We didn't pitch him in 9 and 10. He wasn't in the top five pitchers. But now, guess what? He's pitching in high school. And it was actually to a, a detriment for, for him because he was called upon to pitch because they were – you know, weren't very deep. And he had never really pitched. Now, thankfully, he was athletic and he had a strong arm. And he was able to kind of come into that. It was bumpy at first, but I just look back on that and think how much more effective could he have been earlier on if he had gotten some of that work early. And maybe it means that I should have played him on a different team. That's a whole other episode too. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, as a coach, we've got to make sure we're developing players. Uh, Everybody wants a tournament championship. Everybody wants a ring. Um, Nobody's going to remember that. Like my trophies are in a box in the storage unit. Um, 
heck, my nine-year-old now, we've got so many rings. I bet we've got 25 rings. He doesn't even know where half of them are. Uh, I know some people keep that stuff, but I promise you at some point they will be forgotten about and nobody remembers. Uh, and so I really, really encourage you, please sacrifice short-term team success with long-term team development. We actually did it this weekend. Uh, I mentioned earlier we got bumped down to that that, neck, that second of three brackets. Uh, we were the fifth seed, so the top four went to the, to the first bracket. And they do that on Sunday tournaments. It just gets everybody another game. Plus, it, it tries to group like teams to some extent. Um, we could have pitched another pitcher, but, but we have 11 guys on our roster, and we have 11 pitchers. Now, will they all pitch forever? No. But it was more important for us to get one inning or two innings with additional guys than to stick with somebody uh, for the extra, you know, instead of a, a gold ring, we've got a platinum ring maybe. Like, who cares? So long-term, it's tough in the moment, but long-term, uh, it's much, much better for that team and individual development. Now, I could go on and on and probably list 10 more, but you guys get the point. I'm, I'm long-winded. I've already gone past where I said I was going to go. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your questions. I'm currently working on a better way to communicate, so I'm going to have a dedicated email address. I don't really want to give like my personal email so that all this gets mixed up in there. Um, but we'll have a dedicated email address working on a way to really get feedback better. The there's two ways today that work the best. One, if you go to getelbowup.com, that's G E T elbowup.com. That's actually the newsletter where this podcast and, and article are hosted. So you'll click on read, you'll navigate, uh, to this post titled my, older son turns 18 today uh, or whichever post you're, you're looking for. And there's an easy way to leave a comment. Just say, Hey, thanks. You know, I listened to the podcast or I read the article. Um, I have some questions or you can look us up on Facebook. So it, we actually have a page and it, it's literally elbow up. So uh, it's called elbow up baseball. If you go to uh, the, you can search for it or the easiest way is just to literally type in facebook.com slash elbow up. So facebook.com forward slash elbow up. You can send me a message on there. You can, you can write, I think a post on the page, whatever, however you want to get in touch with me. I'd love to hear your questions. If you have a coach that is interested in learning more, if you want to share this with them, you want to share this with other parents, please subscribe to the newsletter. Also, whichever podcast player you like to listen to, uh, whether it's an Apple or an Android device uh, or Spotify app, uh, look us up, Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast, and um, hit the subscribe button. Make sure and leave a comment and a rating. Would really appreciate that. So thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next time.